This is an ABC podcast. Hi, I'm Mick Stanier and you're listening to The W with Shani and Sam. Welcome back to The W with Shani and Sam. I'm Sam Lane and this is the place where every week we get in and under, we lift up a bonnet, we talk AFLW, sometimes we get completely sidetracked and that is because I am passing the blame here to my co-host, the one and only Shani Norda. Welcome Shans. We have had two semi-finals. There's been thunderbolts, there were lightning, it was very, very frightening. We had a contentious game at Punt Road Oval, but you are here, you are living and breathing. Give us a flavour of your your greatest, latest life and times. Galileo, Galileo, here we go, 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 go. Is that the song you were singing? But, but, What's I, lightning? Yes. Very, very, oh, yes, I love that song. And look, if there was a version of Wayne's World in the AFRW world, it would be us, Sam. But um, I was just... Okay. Obviously, loved the footy. There's a lot that we're going to get stuck into, but really my flavour for the week was just I needed to just have a G&T just to calm the nerves, mate. Like, there was so much going on. I saw it a was. few pickies. You were at the Richmond game. And how was the atmosphere? Because I thought there was still, like, there could have been more people there. We talked about a sellout, but the mm. stands were empty. Oh, it is funny, isn't it? It was technically a sellout. All the AFL's big wigs were there, Richard Goiter, Gillan McLaughlin, a whole lot of very fashionable sunglasses and other executives, uh, male executives from the AFL. I think the female contingent was over in Adelaide, but it was a great atmosphere. I think the biggest thing for me out of that 36-point win that North Melbourne scored over the hosts' uh, side, Richmond, is that it was so high-scoring, it was so high-quality, free-flowing, end-to-end footy and a really different game from uh, what we saw North Melbourne play against Richmond, who were, of course, in their first ever final series out um, in straight sets. How about I throw the Adelaide semi to you, Shans? Uh, Adelaide came up trumps in the end, but not without quite, a, well, two very big delays and and the thunderstorm that um, caused first a 30-minute delay to the game starting, then a 42-minute uh, break while we all considered whether this game was even going to get finished. And ultimately, we saw Adelaide win in a slog fest. Yeah, I think as an athlete, it's one of the toughest positions you can be in. And, you know, it's really hard to to get yourself prepped, get yourself in the right mental frame of mind, get yourself in the right physical shape to be able to warm up. And we know that there are a few players, your Ruby Schleicher, um, but also Sarah Rowe as well, who are nursing injuries. So to warm up, cool down is just something that you don't Mm. want to have to do. And look, I'm sure there were people in the Adelaide camp doing the same thing. Then it's, okay, well, is this game going to go ahead? Is it going to be delayed? Is it going to be postponed till tomorrow? And for me, I was just watching the broadcast from Melbourne and it just looked Dangerous. I saw Mark Soderstrom from Channel 7 Adelaide and he was standing in water and I was like, dude, is that an electrical cord behind you? Like, get out. Is the change rooms going to flood? And I know we've already chatted about this on previous episodes, Sam, but this is where it comes to, and especially Emma Carney, who spoke last week really strongly about just having a set AFLW venue in every state, just so we've got the broadcast right. You can obviously cope with rain and drainage, even though we know that um, it's unprecedented times at the moment with La Nina um, mm-hmm. bringing all of her rains, rains in. But I think for me, I actually thought to Collingwood have a little bit of hope here because they play a scrappy style. And Adelaide, when they're playing clean, they're hard to stop. 
Yes. And I thought I, you know, I thought Adelaide were going to win, but when the rain came, I thought if Collingwood can really, you know, turn this in their favour, make it a really messy, scrappy game and snap a few goals like Eliza James did last week, this might be their only opportunity to beat Adelaide. But unfortunately, I don't know how Adelaide did it, as you said, after 45 minutes of breaks on and off, coming back out to warm up again. The first style of play in that second quarter, they had it clean from the defensive 50 the whole way down. They took a mark and it ended up in a goal and they did not drop the ball once. And Mm. I just thought, far out, Adelaide is still on here. And I think for Collingwood, um, they just need to find another way to score. They just... They've got a really great defensive end. I thought their mids did really well to spread out the field and really great at rebounding. They had all of the ball in that third quarter, but they just couldn't score. If you can't score, you can't win. And that was a real downfall for me, Sammy. But a huge congratulations to Adelaide. Their legs are going to be super heavy after that game. I was watching the ball that it would just drop dead in Mm. the water. So a bit of water polo footy on the weekend. (laughs) We'll dive, Shans, a little bit further (laughs) into that as we go. But ultimately, Adelaide winners by 12 points. And really, it was about that opening term for them, wasn't it? Two goals to none. Uh, That ultimately became matched defining in the conditions and Shans it sets up a couple of prelims now Friday night on the Gold Coast at Metricon the Brisbane Lions will be hosting those Crows at 7.40 Australian Eastern Daylight Time local time is 6.40 which unfortunately means there's going to be a whole lot of people finishing work and probably not making the trip from Brisbane and on past examples that will mean that sadly there might be a crowd of only 2,000 people there. Then on Saturday afternoon at Princess Park uh, in Carlton, Victoria, Melbourne will host North Melbourne at 3.10 local time. Shans, let's go in a bit of a short burst mode here, short bursts with substance. On reflection, and we've touched on some of these things already, but now I want the, give me the, like the real lowdown, <laughs> Shani style. On reflection, should Richmond and North have been played at Punt Road Oval? On reflection, they should have absolutely played at a bigger stadium. I stand by that and I want more people, bigger crowds and more excitement around finals football. Okay, I like it. The competition, Shani, dodged a major bullet. I'm putting this to you as a proposition. Even though the storms cleared in Adelaide and that was great, there was sunshine in the end. But was Unley Oval a liability regardless? Now, we know the AFL cannot control the weather gods, but the lighting was clearly not up to it. So what might have happened if we catastrophize this situation, which was on the cards for a minute, is that if it had become too dark, they might have had to have stopped the game. They might have had to have held the Collingwood Football Club in Adelaide and then they would have had this situation where having put the two games on the same day on Saturday that they would have had Adelaide and Collingwood playing on a Sunday in the lead up to prelims. So Chance, was Unley, given the lighting, a liability? Yes, Sam, that was absolutely a liability. And there's a few reasons why here. So, um, you know, the lighting, as you said, wasn't good for a night game, in which case 
they should have been able to move the game earlier, but they couldn't because that clashed with the game before, which is another reason why they should have separated and had the finals on separate days. Number two, clearly it's not AFLW standard if the lighting isn't up to being at night time. So once again, we want venues that are going to be suitable and good enough for the AFLW standard. So for me, it's just about being prepared. And so the T20 cricket, they knew on say Thursday that the weather was going to be bad and they were already coming up with contingency plans on what to do on Sunday, which was yesterday, and they moved the game earlier to allow themselves more time. Now, AFLW still had the forecast. They knew it was going to rain, yet nothing seemed to have changed around that. So I want to see better preparation and better ovals for AFLW. Yep, I think that it left the comp very, very exposed. It's great that we're now talking about something that might have been rather than something that was, but watching the telecast, and I thought it was terrific coverage, you know, really taking us into literally Mark Soderstrom's, um, you know, waterlogged feet. Wading through <laughs> with the ducks. Quack, yeah, quack. so it was very dramatic. It was very great in, in terms of drama, but the, the stakes in finals, it, it's just so high and it really matters, you know, because Adelaide's legs, and this is my next question, um, they've had a slosh fest. Uh, they couldn't afford to be playing an, another game the next day or resuming it and then be travelling to the Gold Coast uh, to meet the Brisbane Lions. Shans, it leads me to ask you, do we have in Brisbane Lions and Adelaide, Melbourne and North Melbourne, the best four teams in the comp this season in the preliminary finals? Yes, we do have the best four this year. And despite whilst they didn't finish top four, we've already talked about the Kangaroos having to hit up and play every single team in the top eight throughout the season. And that's going to show that the ladder is always going to end a bit uneven at the end of every season because let's just face it, we have an uneven league at the moment with new teams coming in. Um, so for me, they are definitely the best four teams. I think the fact that North Melbourne were able to go away from the draw assess, come up with a new game plan and apply that new game plan shows that they're a much more mature side than Richmond. But I am still very excited about Richmond's growth. And obviously you got Brisbane and Melbourne, who you said arguably is the best team now, which is very, very cool. So yes, we do have the top four best teams in the league in our prelim finals, and I cannot wait for this weekend. Yep, same. And congratulations to the Roos. I'm thrilled to see them there. It's actually the second time they've won a semi-final in the AFLW's competition. But in 2020, when they last did that, Shans, and they beat your pies, the season was cut short because of COVID. Jasmine Garner, wasn't she brilliant? Uh, 22 touches and, and quite different to the match uh, that was drawn between the Tigers and North only a fortnight ago. Okay, Shans, do Richmond and Collingwood, now eliminated from the finals, do they get on the Shani Norda Amita a P? or an F, pass, praise, fail or fart <laughs> for their season seven? And what do they need, just one thing each, to be better in 2023? Richmond are an absolute pass this year. The improvement they have made from last season, which was not that long ago, was absolutely huge. And I think the way they've been able to come together as a team, 
to be able to get the game on their terms. But unfortunately for them, and this is where they need to get better, is that North Melbourne had the game on their terms. They had 33 more marks than Richmond just in the second quarter. And as soon as you take that congested ball away from Richmond, they've got nowhere to go. So, you know, if I was Ryan Ferguson, I'd be going back to the drawing board. I would be going, all right, What's our game plan when, you know, when our game gets taken away from us? And how do we shut that down just to grow and develop another layer of their game so that they can get even further into finals next season? Um, They're going to be after a real key forward. I think Courtney Wakefield retiring. And congratulations to you, Courtney, on a huge, fantastic career. Um, You know, I, you know, just made my heart melt watching North and Richmond and um, getting chairlifted off just shows how much she means. But she was a huge forward for them this year and they're really going to miss her next year so I am concerned for them if they don't get a strong replacement Collingwood now it's hard because I love my mighty pies no I'm interested in this are they P or F well they are scraping in a P um by the nail on their thumb I'll tell you what and (laughs) the reason being is that um, you know, they probably did better than what they thought this year. And they always they always play better when they're the underdogs, but they couldn't convert this year at all. Mm-hmm. They really struggled in that forward line. They didn't have a set key forward that could clunk those marks. And, you know, whilst they've got the excitement of Chloe Malloy, who I think was battling injury, and Eliza James, you just need that one person. They really missed having that Sofa Alexander that can clunk those marks. And that takes the attention away from the small forwards. But because they didn't have a big target i think sabrina frederick brought the ball to ground and i think they need to have a player that is clunking those marks because those defenders are concentrating on the small forwards and they need to be let free so that they can capitalize on their forward movement so yeah and look they were missing um which is why i scraped them in as a p because they were missing um, Britt Benici and Brianna Davey. But at the end of the day, those two aren't going to be bringing a huge amount of goals to them next year. So there's still a huge improvement that needs to be made in that front end. Shant, I'm very interested in that take. I think it'll be soul-searching times at Collingwood, Shans. They've made each of the last four AFLW final series, which is great on the surface, but they've won just two finals in that period, uh, one by six points, the other one by five points. I guess after we've seen Fremantle let go of its coach, Trent Cooper, that surprised a whole lot of people. You and I have spoken about the fact that we think and we wouldn't be surprised if there was turnover as much as as many as six clubs in the off-season, uh, perhaps reappointing a new senior coach. We've seen one happen there. I guess I just wonder in terms of Collingwood uh, whether given there's been an inability to fire in finals when it counts most, they've they've turned up, they've made it, but then in those biggest games, those crunch games, they haven't been able to to, to win more often. I guess I wonder, uh, would that force something as radical as a change of senior coach? Is it time for a new direction, a new voice? I think it'll be really interesting to watch Collingwood and who is leading that side in terms of the coaching and the program in the off-season. Yeah, and I agree, Sam. And I think where we've got to have a look is that whilst we're missing Britt Benici and Brianna Davey, I said this before, they're not going to bring goals. So whilst they might come back into the middle, Chloe Malloy might spend some more time forward and Ruby Schleicher might be able to spend some more time back, that's not solving their current 
issues. Um, mm. So obviously it's always tough when you come to these discussions, but I think in regards to, yeah, perhaps a new game plan and a bit of fresh eyes might be what Collingwood need to be able to break through. They've only got a small window with the players that they have mm. and they can win a premiership with the players they have. Mm, okay, I love it. Shans, the last topic we will get to before our very special guest, and I'm just going to tease this. Our guest is an OG AFLW senior coach. There's only two of those. We've had one of those already on this season, so um, no prizes actually for guessing who our special guest is, but that is yet to come. <laughs> he has survived, and not only that, he is thriving. Now, Sam Walsh, I am extremely excited for our guests because I love our guests very, very much. There is a more burning issue (laughs) that I need some information, and you're my information guru. Whenever I need something, I pick up the phone, whether it's (laughs) AFLW, whether it's womanly things, whether it's how to (laughs) clean my socks. Um, But, Sam, I need to know, AFLW grand final week, if Brisbane win, what are the scenarios? What like So will it definitely be in Brisbane? Is Marvel an option? It's been a mess, hasn't it, Shans? And we're not letting this one go, even though no one wants to talk about it apparently until grand final week. But yeah, if the Brisbane Lions win by the letter of the AFLW law, they earn the right to host in Queensland the AFLW grand final. Now, Metricon, let's go through it. We've talked about this. It's not available because of... Guns and Roses. Music. Exactly. So unavailable. No Unavailable. Stamped. Done. Done. Off. No. Gabba. How about the Gabba? There's been a question mark over this. There's a bit of a battle going on behind the scenes between cricket, uh, the turf. You know, these things are very well preserved in cricket. Mm, Um, It's a no, I am told, by someone who has a direct line of sight to this topic. And I believe this person. So I am told Gabba is an absolute no. So it's a no. Stamping that. That, let's stamp it. Springfield, which is a new uh, facility that the Brisbane Lions are very excited to be playing in. It'll be a boutique stadium. Uh, potentially, the turf might have knitted in time, which for those who don't know about turf means that it might be ready and safe uh, mm. in two weeks. However, Shans, you've got to consider that this boutique stadium has not uh, hosted an AFL game of any variety yet, and certainly it has not had a broadcast bump in and certainly it has never had the centerpiece game of the AFLW season bump in on the biggest week of the calendar. And um, that could be quite, uh, we talked about liabilities in this show. It could be a liability for um, the coverage of this very big game. So Cairns has been floated and people might be asking why on earth is Cairns being floated? Well, because it gives the Lions, I guess, a game in their home state. But the more likely scenario in my view and and according to my information is that they would probably uh, move the whole thing to Marvel. It would be another quirk of a very quirky, often quirky um, competition (laughs) in terms of the way that it is scheduled and fixtured and whatnot. I think if they can't get Springfield set and ticked off so that it's safe and good for broadcast, um, that we will be seeing the Brisbane Lions hosting a home AFLW grand final go figure at Docklands Victoria. I just want the AFL to announce it this week. Whatever they decide, whatever, and I know that I'm laughing and there's probably people being like, Shandy, this isn't very funny. But, you know, yeah. people, if you don't laugh, sometimes you cry. So 
I think I just want to know by the end of this week where the grand final is being played because it's not fair on the players for the whole media. Like they deserve the attention going into the grand final and how great their year's been and stories about the players so that they get a personal profile out there and build up the clubs. Whereas the last thing we want to see is the week of grand final to be controversy. And I don't think the AFL would want that either. So a way that I would think to resolve that would be to announce something by even Thursday, so it's not on game day for yeah. the teams, to say, look, these are the scenarios. We've floated it all through in here. But I'm, I'm with you. I, as I mentioned last week, I was really disappointed with the broadcast in the Brisbane semi. And so I think whichever option is going to offer the best broadcast with the best product, to get it all out there, I am with that option. It is actually, when you put it out there, it's it's unfathomable that we do not know which way this is going to go. And Emma Carney was so strong with us last week on the pod. If you didn't hear it, go back and check it out. Libby Birch has written a really good, strong article in The Age. It just feels so slapdash and, and we get that logistics are hard, but... It's not professional uh, and it makes the whole thing look like amateur hour. So enough is enough. Let's just get this season won and done, but we will not have this happen again in 2023. Full stop. Oh, Shance, we need to take a breath. Let's get some fresh air into this podcast, shall we? Okay. Bring bring the guests. I want to hear the guests. (laughs) Yeah, me too. There's been so much to cover, but now we welcome. We are so happy to have him on our podcast, Shani, for the build-up to his big prelim final. It is Melbourne Football Club's AFLW coach, an OG AFLW coach, as we mentioned just earlier today. We welcome very, very warmly Mick Stanier. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Shani. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be on. It's a pleasure to be in preliminary final week and have you on. So let's start by asking you, how have you used your week off? And I put off in inverted commas because we know that there is not an off week when you're preparing for a prelim as you are. Yeah, com- coming into the, the first week of finals, it was didn't feel like we needed a week off. We had good momentum. The You know, the, the list was healthy and Everyone was in a good headspace. And then coming out of that first final, it was a physical and tough encounter and a few sore bodies. And then you immediately see the advantage of um, not having to back up and play again the following week. And also off the back of, you know, two seasons in one year, just the mental side. And uh, so, yeah, that, straight away we saw that as an advantage. Obviously, you have to earn that right. Um, and then it became about rest and recovery early in the week. We targeted Thursday as our main session and treated that as game day. And then Saturday, we trained at Icon Park, just a chance to familiarise ourselves with the ground and get some extra skill work and um, more around some of our ball movement and and game style. Uh, And that was also an open day, so a chance for the fans to come down. And, um, you know, our our players are are great humans. They always spend a lot of time um, with the fans. It was good to see them interacting and um yeah giving them you know a good hour of their time after the training session so and then a number of players sort of had um they were able to actually commit themselves socially to a few different things on the weekend without footy so um that was good just for them to sort of re-energize and connect with family and loved ones and um we had a session first thing this morning to get the week going so yeah definitely not a week off but a, a week off i guess the physical and mental strain of uh of playing week to week it's um yeah we feel ready to attack the week 
I know you probably don't give two hoots where the semifinals were being played because you weren't in one, but it was contentious um, in terms of giving uh, the AFLW its biggest exposure to fans and vice versa. It was um, very much contentious that the Tigers hosted their semifinal at Punt Road where they um, were beaten by North Melbourne ultimately. So my double barrel to you, should that have been played at Punt Road in your view and what did you make of North's performance as you were no doubt dissecting it? Yeah, I think that's, I understand why Richmond would have done it and we, we've had those conversations previously as well. Like you, From a football program, your priority is to win that final um, and you yeah. want to prioritise what's going to give you that best chance of doing that. But then also, yeah, overlaying that is the holistic approach to women's footy and um, growing it and engaging as many people as possible. So I, I can understand why they made that decision. Um, but And being at the ground there, it was a little bit like you're sort of hemmed in between the boundary line and the external fence. So there's not a, not a lot of space to be out of view with the grandstand being out of action. So potentially moving forward, the AFL you know might stipulate where we can get more than 5,000 people at a game. Like, let's get a venue that can... Um, can handle that, but it was Richmond's right to make that decision. So um, I can understand why they did that. But yeah, moving forward, we might look at trying to grow the capacity at our finals games. And um, there is now like Icon Park's a great venue for footy and whether down the track at Northport Oval, like, yeah, keep trying to build venues. Um, if we haven't got access to the MCG or Marvel that yeah. you know, showcase women's footy. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And then North's performance. Yes, uh, North. I mean, who's yeah. North? Yeah. <laughs> Just your opponent. Um, Was that strategic? Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> Backhander, Sean. Backhander. Backhander. <laughs> I was trying not to get caught out of anything, but... It's uh, <laughs> a tough one on finals week. The, the spectacle, the actual game, um, I had the opportunity to watch North play down in Geelong and then um, again at Punt Road on the weekend. And, yeah, they, they've had a really tough draw um, throughout the home and away season, and I sort of saw them as a top four team um, right through. So mm. uh, probably the back end of their season, just uh, maybe a few little injuries or just lost a little bit of momentum, but they were um, in full force on, on Saturday. Uh, I love what Darren Crocker's doing with that team and how they've managed their list. Um, yeah, the, the power of their midfield, just the balance and how they comp- um, complement each other. And they really got their defence very hard to score against, although Richmond got a few looks at goal. But then transitioning from defence into attack, uh, they sort of picked apart Richmond at times. And, um, yeah, they uh, they played well. And I think their better players sort of set the tone. And then a number of young developing players really jumped on. And it was, a big, it was definitely a contrast between um, the game at Geelong and the pressure that Geelong had applied. And you came up against them in round two this year. You only got the win by two points. I think both teams have definitely improved a lot since then. You scored three goals, eight to 26, compared to their four goals straight for 24. But then you just went into just blowing out the score lines towards the end of the season. So what do you credit that improvement to? And is that something that you were focusing on in regards to the score line? Or was it just the fact that playing the game plan and sticking to what they should be doing, the score line just happened to come with that? Yeah, the, the hit out at the MCG yeah, ended up being a, a close one and a, you know an entertaining finish. But both teams are probably a, a little bit um, a little bit fumbly and wasteful with the ball. And I know we really struggled to connect. We, we had a good period in the second quarter that sort of set up the game, but a bit of a low scoring dour affair for most of it. So, like you said, yeah, both teams have improved a lot since then, and we feel like we've certainly evolved. Um, probably the key area for us, and it was. 
a reflection on grand final day we individually we had a crack on grand final day and and mm. tried to bring adelaide undone but um we fell short to a better team and we've really spent a lot of the off season and then our pre-season now in season on our um, connection and i guess our we call it demon spirit but um yeah our ability to play for each other and what we're prepared to do for each other and the genuine care that we have and if we get that right off field and during the week, then under the ultimate pressure, you know, whether that be the first couple of minutes of a final or the last couple of minutes of a final, well, we know what we're going to get out of each other and we know the behaviours we're going to see. And um, we yeah, we want to be that team that Adelaide has been previously where it's sort of impenetrable. And um, we feel like the last couple of months, we've really been able to instill some some great habits. And, you know, fans, team teammates, um, loved ones, um, know what they're going to get out of out of our team. We haven't been able to say that previously. We've we've sort of tripped up and missed a game here or there that's cost us a season, or haven't quite showed up in a critical moment. So, the team spirit is probably the big thing that we've invested in, like the little things that we're prepared to do for each other, um, and that's something our group really prides itself on. And then the game style stuff is probably secondary to that. Um, but yeah, and then it's the way you coach and what we value as players and staff within our group. Um, that definitely makes a difference. Like if we talk about team spirit, but then spend most of our time on game style or technical things, um, then you're missing opportunities to reward and celebrate the behaviours that you you want to see. So uh, it's taken me seven years, but I feel like I've got the right balance at the moment. Uh, <laughs> well, I was going to say, because as Sam has already mentioned, you're just one of the two OG coaches left in the competition. And a player that's really flourished under your program is Taylor Harris. We saw her obviously jump over a few seasons ago now, but she just seems to have really grown as a player. Um, you know, we've seen her move into that ruck position and she's also been a lot more quieter off the field as well. But do you credit her, it almost looks like a maturity that she's really grown into this player. Um, is that an age thing? Is that a program thing? Is it a different style of coaching? But um, how have you seen Taylor's growth and, and what do you put it down to? Yeah, I think, I'd really agree with the maturity and the experiences that Taylor had had previously and just the timing of um, her availability uh, and um, our program and where we were at. That's been a really good match. She's a, um, she's a fantastic human and, and she's given, gives so much to our team. And I guess a large reason why she plays is to play for others and do the little things um, to make sure others are enjoying themselves. And she gets a lot of joy out of Alyssa Bannon thriving in a final or Eden Zanker taking her opportunities. Um, young Georgia Campbell um, who played a game this year, like Taylor's invested in her and uh, she does a lot for our, our spirit and connection. And um, yeah, I, I love what she's brought to our team and continues to bring. And she's stepped up into a, a leadership role this year. And yeah, I, I think definitely a maturity and a combination of the different experiences she'd had. And um, I think the timing was, was just right. And, um, yeah, we're enjoying having her and, and she's really enjoying being in the program. So it's been a good fit. If you cast your mind back to the point where you did recruit her from Carlton and it wasn't an entirely happy ending there, I, I don't think, um, although no hard feelings, but how much sort of coaching did you do kind of one-on-one -on -one with Taylor? And by coaching, I mean sort of talking through things, um, talking through things she might have wanted to have changed um, perceptions even how much sort of dedicated work did you uh, personally do with Taylor Mick I think initially uh, it's definitely a lesson for me too is not listen to the external opinions of others and I think the best thing Taylor and I did was we just sat in a room um, together um, and caught up 
probably hour and a half, two hours, just covering off on, you know, what she's learned since the start at Brisbane and then at Carlton and um, what experiences she'd had and, and what she's looking for in a football program and to get out of her own footy. So probably just not having any judgment and just listening and learning. And um, and that's how Taylor treats other people as well. She mm-hmm. um, gives everyone um, a chance and will listen and support anyone. So that's probably the, the best thing I think we did from the start and just honest conversations. And then then it's really just been about the level of investment. So, yeah, some, some early sessions on skills and expectations about how our program runs and what we value. And um, just talking to her the other day, actually, she said there's a game against Richmond um, in her first season, might have been round two or round three, and she didn't get many possessions, but she competed unbelievably, like crashing packs as she does at her best and um, chased down tackles, smothers, uh, and her teammates loved her for it and the group um, just really valued what she did. And then she's like, oh, hang on. I, yeah, it's not about goals or marks or possessions. This is what this group of women really value and um, this is something I feel like I can really contribute. And, um, yeah, she's she's invested in that ever since. So... Uh, and just she has such good balance off field now. Potentially, when she was a bit younger, um, footy might have taken up too much of her headspace and yeah. um, emotional space. But um, she's got so many interests outside of footy, and boxing is a really good balance for her. And I know she hasn't been able to fight recently, just with the two seasons in one. But that's certainly something she'll be pursuing um, once this season ends, and something we support. And she's such a fantastic athlete. Like it's mm. she's so rare in. Mm-hmm. Uh, in sport, men's or women's footy, and yeah, yeah we're, I guess we're grateful that we've uh, yeah we've got her at our at our club. You've made it work, yeah. yeah. And uh, turning our eyes back forward to this weekend, um, and obviously we know that you know you need it. You need to get the win this weekend to be able to then get into the grand final. But is it distracting for you, knowing me and Sam chatted earlier about? Mm. We don't know where the AFL grand final is going to be and if Brisbane win or lose and all the rest of it. And mm. as a coach, do you get concerned that your players get caught up in that talk? Or And I know it's kind of week by week and we'll play where we'll play. <laughs> but really, what kind of impact does not knowing where a grand final could be have on your group? Yeah, I think to your question before, almost around how we've grown as a team, part of that is focusing on the connection with each other and investing those little things like that create that team spirit. And part of that process has forced us to live in the moment. So it's not just us saying, yeah, one week at a time and like forcing it. <laughs> it's actually been our one process. Week girls, one week at a time. <laughs> Ladies, sorry. It's been, um, it's been our process for probably six weeks now. Um, so we don't feel like we need to change anything. And our attention is to enjoying, like enjoy the moment the session we had together this morning and whether it's a quick coffee catch up afterwards, um, enjoy the opportunity to train this week and keep developing, you know, our spirit and our game. Um, And then, yeah, yes, we acknowledge that it's a pretty ruthless part of the the season where you one wrong step and your, your season's done, but we're that immersed in, I guess, building as a team and playing for each other that, all the external stuff sort of goes by the wayside. Like you don't have time or energy to worry about that because you've, you're occupied in, in building and fostering something else. So um, I know it probably sounds a little bit similar to the rest of the answers you get, but um, yeah, I, I think we're that immersed in what we're doing that the grand final where that's played or where the prelims played or who we're playing, um, you sort through that when it comes and um, it's not worth your attention because you can't control it. 
As an AFLW and AFL men's lover, Mick, would it be fair if a club in the AFLW that wins hosting rights to host the AFLW Grand Final, if that club was forced to play not in their home state? Yeah, I think it probably comes down to the rules and like what was established at the start and what was agreed to. And obviously two seasons in one year and this just being a new time of when our seasons run and a, you know, a clash with cricket um, potentially didn't foresee some of those issues and now we find ourselves in it. So, yeah, I think given how the current arrangement was established and if, you know, the, the top team was given access to a home final, but then I think the... Yeah, the catch is it's not a normal season and um, there's some things there that we potentially didn't plan on and yeah, now just working through what that solution is. But I know Brisbane probably don't want to have that conversation because, you know, they've, they've, got, to, they've got to get through a prelim as well. But um, obviously the AFL are, are planning all of, all of that. But yeah, it's just probably an unfortunate situation that, you know, we were hoping wouldn't arise, but it has potentially. Yeah. I feel like the whole competition is saying one more time, we will accept these quirks. We will accept these inconveniences and sometimes injustices. So sort of maybe putting on a positive hat and throwing forward on that bigger picture competition um, question. When do you think the 2023 AFL women's season should start? Yeah, I, th I think this has been a success, although the, the never-ending rain has, um, has been interesting. Yeah. Uh, in Victoria, but um, and probably along the east coast, it's been a bit wet. But um, no, I think this time slot has suited really well. Um, even the the crossover with the men's um, that that bye week, the opportunity to to play some footy there, the opportunity to play. Um, I think our practice matches were played as curtain raises um, across the country. That's that's a brilliant way to start our season and create some more exposure. And um, yeah, I don't I don't think the two comps have to live next to each other um, the whole season. But it definitely there's opportunities with the crossover to to grow women's footy and um, play it on some bigger grounds and uh, such a great way to celebrate the growth of clubs with women's teams, like having a men's game, a women's game, um, even VFL and VFLW, like just a celebration of, of footy. Um, it looks a lot differently than, than it used to a long time ago. So any opportunities to celebrate that and engage families, um, I think that's been a win. But, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the, with the timing of this season. And obviously, as the competition grows and um, the interest in, you know, from a broadcast point of view and, and crowd attendance and, and keep expanding the comp. Libby Birch, one of your players, um, wrote a really strongly worded article in The Age last week just saying, look, it just grinds her bones, she said, um, that the men's competition dates are released, I'm quoting her, firmly in advance and the women's game is always just left to make up on the run. Do you share that frustration and when would you like to know by so that you can organise your life and times and not to mention your footy program? Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, it does, like you said before, it does feel like the comp is year to year little changes and we're still trying to find our feet and establish ourselves and now having 18 teams. But I, I think this has been a success this time period. So if we can commit to that, but then little things like the list rules that the AFL is working on and um, yeah, what they want the season to look like, all, all those bits of information, potentially the AFL didn't need to bring the season forward, like have two seasons in one year. They, they could have delayed another 
you know, 12 months and then got it right. So it probably needs to be a level of patience that this was brought forward. And we're fortunate enough, I know from a Melbourne footy club perspective, after losing a grand final, it was like, how quickly can we get another crack? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess a little bit of leeway that there's a lot of things that are happening very quickly. And I think there is a lot of fatigue in the industry too from um, men's footy, women's footy, nearly four seasons in um, a short period of time. So, but yeah, I, I'd like to see some... Um, now we've got 18 teams, we've worked through expansion, um, some consistency from year to year that, yeah, people within AFL and at Clubland, um, players particularly, can can plan their, their lives and we get that consistency year to year because I think that's important with employment too for a lot of our players. Mick, after the heartbreak of last year's grand final, there was a lot of speculation of whether Daisy was going to play on or not. She did. Um, but coming into this week's prelim and depending on the outcome of this year, do you think Daisy will play on next year? Yeah, yeah. I think she's the reason she's playing and um, she can probably answer it. It's better than better than I can. She just loves it. She's just really enjoying it. She's enjoying the group that she gets to play with. Um, she's still really um, stimulated by learning and evolving individually, but then also the forward line um, improving um, that group, and then our broader group as well. And and even from a club perspective, there's you know constant work we can be doing to better integrate our two programs. And um, so yeah, bottom line is yeah, she's still she's still enjoying her footy and. Um, She's still moving really well on the track and game day and still got plenty to offer our team. And because, oh, the type of person she is, but she's very selfless on field and um, you couldn't get a better role model uh, on and off the field. So we're in no hurry to see her retire, but we obviously know, you know, the, the coaching pathway has been secured for her at Geelong and um, that'll be a great opportunity for her. Um, will that happen next year? Oh, I'm sure she'll have that discussion with Ben and, I've got the kids, Roy and Sylvie, to, to factor in as well. Um, but at this stage, I, I think she's still really enjoying it and um, won't be in a hurry to make a decision. And, um, yeah, I, I'd like to see her continue to play uh, <laughs> for another season if if that's what she wants to do and her and Ben can manage that with the kids. But, um, yeah, I, I don't feel – I don't think she's come out and said this, but she's not chasing anything and she's very much just enjoying each moment. And and you'd know, Shani, like when you know – um, the end is getting closer. You tend to enjoy and embrace and make the most of every opportunity. And the younger ones just feed off it. They, um, mm. yeah. So like that, that has been really healthy for our group. And um, no, she's she's a key part of our team. And obviously, we'd like to be able to win two more games and be able to celebrate something pretty special together. But um, also, yeah, I, I just want to see her keep enjoying her footy and make the decision on her own terms. Mick, thank you so much for your insights. Daisy's enjoying her footy. Your team is clearly enjoying its footy. You are enjoying uh, coaching them and enjoying your footy. It, it bodes so well. We wish you the best of luck with North Melbourne. We know that you present such a relaxed and easygoing kind of vibe, which I know um, your players enjoy so much. Uh, uh, I know also that there is a burning desire given the last season and the result on the last game there that will be driving your demons. So best of luck. Uh, we can't wait to see what unfolds. And thank you so much for joining us on the pod today. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Shani. It's, uh, it's been fantastic. Appreciate you having us. Shani, how good was that, getting into the mind of Mick Stenier, one of the living legends of AFLW, actually? 
Totally, just a bottle of wisdom that you just want to carry around with you in life. Spray it all over you, that wisdom, and spray it around. (laughs) Get it on. Hey, Shans, this is the part in the pod where we either throw it back or throw it forward, depending on whether we're in a reflection or projection mood. What are you doing this week? So for me, uh, the AFL announced during the week that um, they're going to have the magic round for the men's, and I'm going to keep it plain and simple. That's lovely. But they already have enough freaking rounds. So I don't oh. – sure, turn one of those rounds into a magic round. Um, but also, do women get a magic round? Do we get to have a girls' trip and let our hair down and go to the Barossa and have a few wands whilst watching 20 games of footy? Or um, on the flip side, can we just have an extra round in AFLW? So, um, or, or can we have a set plan for the AFLW Grand Final? I'm oh, glad that they're organised for round five in men's. Yeah, round five in men's is great. Can we have a Grand Final <laughs> AFL? That I think it's next weekend, actually. We should just check that out, though. <laughs> we will. We'll get yeah. some magic onto it and see what happens. Shans, I am going to, well, throw back as well. I guess just watching and, and catching up on what the Matildas managed to do in Melbourne, playing there in the first time in three years against Sweden, and it was brilliant and inspiring and another great milestone for women in sport. I just thought, what a shame that we had this cluster you know what in terms of AFLW playing um, well essentially clashing with that clash we had people that we know and love who are broadcasters of AFLW and fans of AFLW actually just going we can't even go to AFLW so we are going to the Matildas and I just thought imagine how different that could have been if we'd played our semi-final on a Friday and on a Saturday at a more timely time and imagine the synergy and the power of the Matildas and AFLW coming together and not talking about, you know, we play different codes, but actually saying we are all part of a movement that is bigger than sport and we all support each other, very much women's sports style. I just I, I sort of shake my head and think about the possibilities um, that that might have been. We might have even had Matildas um, supporting AFLW. Uh, we know for a fact that there were certainly AFLW players cheering on the Matildas at their game. Missed opportunity, Sammy. Missed opportunity. Shans, don't like to close as a negative Nelly. I never do. So let's give the uplift, the uplift. Who do you want to thank this week? Oh, I would love to thank you, Sam. You are my brilliant co-host. You keep me in line whilst I still follow bright, shiny, glittery things like a crazy mosquito. You keep me buzzing in line of where I should be. Um, You know, our beautiful producer, Evan, who is away this week, but we have the wonderful Brittany Carter who's been helping us out. Thank you so much. Brett, our awesome producer, Patrick Stack, and of course, the ABC who led us. I don't know how we haven't been cut yet, but it's because I've been swearing enough. I'll bring that for you next week, ABC, but all of you at home, we love you so, so very much. You just give us so much joy. We love AFLW. We can't wait for the prelims this week. And don't you forget to add us on Twitter because we had a lot of great discussions this week and we can't wait to have more. Shant, I was going to mention Twitter because we love our audience, as you've said, and I love watching you interact with the audience on Twitter. I think it's where you do some of your best work. (laughs) With Shani. It's true. 50 <laughs> and, characters or less. 
And also check out our back catalogue from season seven of the AFLW, but also we've done a couple of seasons now of this pod. Um, if you're interested in the prelims and the key figures who are going to be determining who makes the AFLW grand final in a fortnight, we have had Craig Stasevich on this season. We have had Karen Paxman. We have had Emily Bates and Emma Carney joined us just last week. And today, of course, Mick Stanier. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend. Just tell the universe. That would be great. Uh, and Shans, for now, I will let you close out this preliminary final edition of this pod in the way that you do every week. It's over to you. W out, team. W out. This podcast was produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.